Welcome to the Calvary Servanthood Community Church podcast, where we're building a servanthood Christian community which develops leaders and serves the body of Christ through evangelism, discipleship, and teaching. As you're about to go into the Word, get your pens, get your notepads, and we pray that this be a blessing as it was to us. God bless you. Thank you, worship team. You may take your seat. Kinaya lefan swarelo, kinaya lefodisa murena. Brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, allow me to greet the church at large, and in particular, let me greet our visitors that are coming for the first time to fellowship with us and welcome you to Calvary Seventh-wood Community Church. Hallelujah. Thank you for coming to fellowship with us this morning and welcome to Calvary Seventh-wood Community Church. We are moving forward. Hallelujah. We are moving forward. And uh, as we move forward, I think let me appreciate the team that organized the, the prayer, the fasting, and the devotion for the past 40 days. And let me also appreciate those that managed to fast for 40 days. Amen. Hallelujah. It's not easy. Amen. It's not easy. And thank you, colleagues. Uh, oh, God. Thank you. Uh, uh, <laughs> Brethren, you know, sometimes at work, I'll be standing here and say, uh, brethren, and they're like, okay. And now I'm standing here today, I'm saying, colleague. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, the Bible says there are certain things that you cannot unlock unless with prayer and fasting. Gaspedi Ere, if they are very, uh, uh, I think, very strong. Ere matata amangwe, gahonere. Hoi gorere. 
mathata mangwe ga gonege ka ntle ga thapelo ena le go ikona now don't take fasting for granted because it unlocks certain things that are impossible hallelujah and and we thank you for participating it is a continuous thing. Prayer, the Bible says, pray without ceasing. It's a continuous thing. Don't, don't say uh, it is only a once-off thing. You do it only in January, February. But as and when you find time and opportunity, go into prayer and fasting. You will unlock because some of these things you don't know but will be unlocked when you engage into prayer that has fasting. Hallelujah. Today I, I want to make a follow-up to um, the messages that were preached by Muruti since we began in January about time to move forward. Um, you know, when I was sitting alone and pondering on this and reading, I, I went back to read a number of Old Testament scriptures um, that would basically take us to where we are in the book of Joshua. I will mention one or two of those scriptures in the book of Joshua, um, but I will dwell in the book of uh, Exodus and in the book of First Samuel. And when I was preparing this message, I, I said, you know, from the instruction in Rephidim to the defiance in Gilgal, only obedience will open entry into the heart of God. Hallelujah. And I will, I will bring in the link a little bit between the instruction at Rephidim and the defiance at Gilgal. You know, maybe let me a little bit talk about the defiance at Gilgal. You, you saw when the word was read here that, you know, when, when you get to a point in life where you think you have made it, where you think that you are this person, you, you disobey to the extent of even building your own monuments. And that's what Saul did. That even when correction comes, you don't hear correction because what you see is the successes that you have had. And based on the successes that you have had, you even build a monument for yourself. When you look at things going around you, you, you never see yourselves defeated or you never think you can ever be defeated or things can ever go wrong. Hallelujah. We, we will get back to that one. Now, you know, one thing that I have picked up reading that passages of scriptures, brethren, is that when you obey, and, and maybe let me start by saying, 
Obedience is different from submission. Hello? Because submission is voluntary. Submission is out of respect of authority. Submission is you yielding to the power that be or the powers that be following instructions you submit. But with obedience, the difference is that obedience is an instruction. It's an order. Sorry, it's not an instruction. It's more than an instruction. It's an order. Now, with obedience, there's no negotiation. Hallelujah. With obedience, there's no negotiation. You are being ordered to do this. And if you don't do it, you are removed from the picture. The consequence of this obedience is removal from the picture. Or it is the collapse of the cause for which you have been called for. Hallelujah. Now, submission is more of a compliance and, and such kind of things. And, and now, with, with obedience, you have to choose. Am I going to be willing to obey or unwilling to obey? And when you obey, then you occupy a special place in the heart of God. Hallelujah. When David obeyed God, Samuel said to Saul, this is a man after the heart of God. He sought the heart of God because he knew that without obeying, I will never gain entry into the heart of God. Hallelujah. Now, obedience, it is the foundation of who we become and what we become in God. Now, if God were to choose the people that he wants to pursue his mission and vision about something, he would rather choose people that will obey than choose people that will submit. Hallelujah. Have you ever heard of a malicious submission and malicious compliance? Wherein you, you, you do something, you submit, and you comply physically or by doing something that your heart is not doing. Your hands are doing it, but your heart is not doing it. Hallelujah. Now, when you obey, because it's an instruction, you acknowledge the wholesome authority and law of the, of the Lord. And having then acknowledged it, you choose to follow it or not to follow it. Now, it was obedience that distinguished David from Saul. If you read 
the, the, the Bible, especially the book of Samuel, 1 Samuel. But also, it was obedience that made Jesus Christ to be our Lord. The Bible says in the book of Philippians, Paul says that when he talks about the character of Jesus, because he says we need to imitate Christ, be like him. Let the character that was in Christ also be in us. Now he says in verse 8, after he was found in terms of his outward appearance as a man for a divinely appointed time, he humbled himself still further to becoming obedient. Now, two functional ways, humbling himself by becoming obedient. Now, you cannot be obedient when you cannot humble yourself. Hallelujah. And when Christ humbled himself to the point of obedience or to becoming obedient, he was obedient, the Bible says, even unto death. Now, obedience doesn't care what is going to happen at the end of the course. But because it is the course, you follow the course irrespective. Obedience doesn't care about what you will meet or not meet on the way. But because it is the course, you fulfill it up to the end. Hallelujah. And only when you decide not to fulfill the obedience, then the mission gets cut. It can't continue. Hallelujah. It might be a brilliant mission. You might be called to be this prophet and do whatever that you do, listen to God, hear or come and tell us the messages from God. But the day you decide to disobey God, God will abort his mission and bring somebody else that will take it further. He will abort it with you. He won't abort his mission. He abort the mission with you. The mission continues, but he will abort it with you. Hallelujah. Because, brethren, the Bible says heaven and earth will pass away. But not a single word coming out of the mouth of God. Not a single word will, will, will disappear, will go back to him without fulfilling. That's why it says it, it, it won't come from him and go back without fulfilling his word. Now you can imagine he created heaven and earth. Now in the beginning, the Bible says was the word. Now, the very same word that was in the beginning is through the word that everything was created. Now, everything else that exists will go back, will come to an end, will be destroyed, but the word that created them will never go back. Hallelujah. Now, if you then do not obey the word that created things, then you run a risk that the very same weight will abort the mission with you and bring somebody else. Hallelujah. 
Now, Christ had a mission, or should I say, God had a mission with Christ. And Christ came to earth. I'm sure Christ knew that he was going to die. He knew that he was going to be tested. He was going to face trials. But to a certain extent, I'm not sure if he knew how painful those things would be. That is why at some point when he was praying, when, when the, the going got tough, he even said to God, let this cup pass. But not my will, your will. But the cup could not have passed because the mission had not yet been accomplished. Now, what Christ had to do was then to obey want to humble himself to becoming obedient even unto the death of the cross. Because the death of the cross was the mission accomplished. Now, until the mission is accomplished, unfortunately, it doesn't matter how far it gets. It doesn't matter how painful it gets. Even Christ felt the pain. Hallelujah. But there are people that choose to defy the instructions. Hallelujah. An example of that is what we have just read about is King Saul. Now, God took out the children of Israel out of Egypt. And when he took them out of Egypt, there are things that happened before the taking out happened. But Pharaoh and his people toughened their hearts. And at the time, God was not trying to prove to the children of Israel that he is God. But he was trying to prove using Moses and Aaron, proving to Pharaoh and his kingdom that he is the God of the Israelites. Hallelujah. Israel knew that this is our God. But Pharaoh did not know how powerful or to what extent can God go to bring out his children out of Egypt. And now God was proven to Pharaoh. Bit by bit, miracle by miracle, plaque by plaque, that you are dealing with a God that is jealous about his nation. Then God took them out. And only after the crossing of the Red Sea, then God started dealing with Israel. Before the Red Sea, God was dealing with Egypt, was dealing with Pharaoh and his people. Only after the Red Sea, then God started dealing with Israel. Hallelujah. The first camp they went into is Rephidim. When they got to Rephidim, two things happened that I want to concentrate. Many other things happened, but two things that I want to speak about happened. One is that Amalek attacked Israel. And and even in the history, Amalek has been regarded as the nation, the, the fiercest enemy of Israel. And that is purely because they were the first nation that attacked Israel after the, the crossing of the Red Sea. 
Now, you don't touch the people of God when God is dealing with them. When God is working with them, you don't touch them. You allow God to deal and finish. God had a mission with Israel. Now, when Amalek attacked Israel, Moses said to Joshua, Joshua, select men that you will go into war with Amalek. And when you are in the hills, uh, uh, I mean, in the valleys fighting, I will be in the, on the hill. When I raise my rod, then you will prevail. And the Bible says when Moses was a bit, was bit oldish at the time, now he would even get tired himself. By when he went with Aaron, I think, and Huron. When he was there, then he would raise his rod, and Joshua and his soldiers would prevail. But when he gets tired and lower it down, then the Amalek will start to become strong. Then the two gentlemen that were with him, they decided to say, you know what, let's help this old man. They put a stone and set him down. And when he sat down, then they, they raised his hands, one on the right, one on the left, and held his hands up so that God can fulfill his purpose about Israel. It was not about Moses being tired. It was about God fulfilling his mission that he has started with Israel. God was dealing with Israel. Egypt was God. But the problem with the generation of the Israel at that time is that Egypt was still in them. Egypt, the physical Egypt is gone. Because God said to them after crossing the, 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 the Red Sea that the Egyptians that you see now, you will see them no more. Now, now God was clear about that. But the problem is Egypt was entrenched in them. You know, I, I, I was sitting and I wrote a few things that I want to read here and I said, brethren, Every city and kingdom has its own strongholds and idols that strengthens and fortifies it. And the strongholds and the idols, many of them come in the form of symbols and names. And what they do is, is they indoctrinate you into them then you become a member of the city. You worship the idols of the city. Many years ago, those that grew up in the, in the villages would know. There are places in villages where they call them secret, sacred places of the, of the chiefs. They put what we call the Biela, Incipate. I don't. I don't know what you call the Muruti in Setswana, and I, I don't know what they are called in other languages. But in Sibedi, they are called Diviela. When there is no rain in the village, the people of the village goes by a by a to go and do perform rituals to pray for rain, and those places. 
cannot be tempered with by any other person. Not everyone enter. The Vela are the holy of holies of, of the idols. Now every city and every town, Egypt has their own. But the biggest ones in Egypt, brethren, were not the physical ones, but they were the spiritual ones. Became the ones that the Israelites left Egypt with in their hearts. That even when they were in the desert, when God was dealing with them, Egypt and its, the Elijah Egypt were still in their hearts. They did not leave them behind. And as a result, even simple things, when, when they were thirsty, then they like Moses, every time they will bring about Egypt. When they were hungry, Moses were hungry. In Egypt, they were cucumbers. When they feel like this hunger is going to kill us, Moses, in Egypt, they were graves. We were going to be back. Now, now, Egypt was in them. They did not get rid of, of the idols. They did not get rid of the artifacts of Egypt. You know, I, 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 I looked at this and started bringing it home, Rudy, and I said, you know, one of the biggest mistakes I think South Africa has made, one of the biggest mistakes is to bring in a democratic government and want the democratic government to continue with the artifacts of apartheid. And I can tell you what simple artifacts of apartheid, the symbols. How do we continue as South Africa, the new democratic South Africa, when there's still a town called Kafirfontein? Now you start asking yourselves, where are we? Are we in the new or are we in the old? Now unless and until the old is out, the new cannot prevail. That is why we have people that even today, they still think that they can raise an old apartheid flag and party that no one else must say anything. We must be quiet because they call it heritage. We bring the artifacts and the idols of our past with us in the new era and we give them new names. We justify them with new names. How do we move as a nation? How do we move as a church when Egypt is still in us? God has brought us out of Egypt. God could have taken the children of Israel within a few days from where they were into Canaan. But he opted to take them through the long route so that he can deal with them. So that he can teach them and demonstrate himself to them. Because these people have been living in Egypt as slaves, removing the slave mentality out of them. Because they lived there as slaves for so long. Now, they, they were unable to move because Egypt was still there. Today, when they are hungry, in Egypt there was this. Tomorrow, when they are thirsty, in Egypt there was this. Tomorrow, when the child is sick, what if my child dies? Moses, in Egypt there were graves. They keep reference 
Hallelujah. Now, that's the first thing that God did. He allowed Joshua to demonstrate and to prove to the children of Israel that I am going with you. It might be a long journey. You're still going to come about other, many other nations that you're going to fight. But God demonstrated that you will prevail. The numbers that Joshua took of the soldiers that Joshua took to go and fight Amalek were very few. Now that was demonstrating to them that it is not the numbers. It is not you that are going to fight, but it was going to be me handing them into your hands. And, and he said to Moses, I am going to destroy Amalek. That's one thing that God said from the face of the earth. Because Amalek was tempering with the mission of God. Now, you cannot temper with the mission of God and God leave you. Now, God says, I'm going to wipe you out, Amalek. And, and you will see when we talk about Saul, that until you wipe them out, they will resurface somewhere else. Hallelujah. And that's exactly what happened. When they were supposed to, and when God was saying to them, wipe them, says, wipe them and destroy everything. Now the problem with us is that we wipe, but don't destroy everything. Muruji spoke about it last week. The sin of Achan. Now, for God to deal with the sin of Achan, he had to go through generations of Achan so that he can deal with the indoctrinated sin or the bloodline sin, if I may put it that way. Now, God said, wipe them off. Now, they did not wipe them off because somewhere they appeared again. And when they appear again, they become again another fall of Israel. Hallelujah. Now, when you deal with things, you must deal with them once and for all. In the passage, a number of things happened. You know, there was the Passover that happened. There was the Red Sea that was crossed. There was manna that was given as food. There was the law that was given and all these sorts of things. But where we have read in the two scriptures, let me go back quickly there. Um, Moses said to Joshua, Oh, okay. No, no. This is, this is another scripture now that I was just referring to now. Let me quickly pass through that. Moses said to Joshua, choose men for us and go out, fight against Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the hilltop. Now when Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. And when he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed. That is in Exodus chapter 17, verse 8 to 14. Exodus chapter 17, verse 8 to 14. 
But Moses' hands were heavy, and he grew tired. So they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Then Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on the side and one on the other side. So it was that his hands were steady until the sun set. So Joshua overwhelmed and defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, listen to this. The Lord said to Moses, write this in the book as a memorial. What is the purpose of the memorial? To remind you. Hallelujah. Did Saul remember? No, he did not. And recite it to Joshua. Write it as a memorial and recite it to Joshua that I will utterly wipe out the memory of Amalek and his people from under heaven. Now, God here, he doesn't say, I have utterly destroyed them or wiped them off. He says, I will. But there is a memorial that needs to remind you that whenever you come across Amalek, Amalek must be destroyed. Hallelujah. Whenever you come across Amalek, Amalek must be destroyed. Because if you don't destroy Amalek, you run a risk of Amalek growing to become an enemy. Remember, this is an enemy of God. This is the enemy that fought with Israel the first time. I don't know what your enemy is. The enemy that you live with, the enemy that you encountered when you first had an encounter with God. Hallelujah. Some of those enemies, because they were not dealt with, they're still prevailing in your life today. Hallelujah. Yet you knew that this were my enemies. And I'm not talking about people. I'm talking about the things that you know that makes you not to obey the voice of God. Hallelujah. Now, where we have read, Moses went up to God. Now, they are still in Raphatim. Moses went up to God on the mountain, and the Lord called to him from mountain, saying, Say this to the house of Jacob, and tell the Israelites, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians. Now, God here is not even talking about the, the, the Amalekites. Because the Amalekites, according to God, were not a big deal. He was going to wipe them off. But the big deal was to teach Israel, now that we are in the desert, who I am as God. To get you to the land of promise. Egypt, we closed it with the Red Sea. That history must remain there. But unfortunately, some of them took the spiritual artifacts of Egypt with them. And that is why that generation, brethren, did not get into the promised land. Because they still had Egypt in them. Hallelujah. 
you cannot get into the peace of God when you are, or the rest of God when you are still holding on to the things of the past. Paul says one thing I do is to forget what is behind and look up to what is in front of me. But Israel could not do that. They still had Egypt in them. Now God now here is reminding them. He says, how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. And the reason why I'm saying, brethren, God was dealing with Israel now in the desert is because God wanted Israel to himself. And that is why he said, I carried you and brought you to myself. Because the issue here is, to the, is the restoration of the relationship of God and Israel. That was destroyed and or that was interrupted when Israel was in Egypt. Now that I have taken you out of Egypt, you are in the desert. I have carried you now. Now They, they are not yet at the promised land here. But he says to them, I have brought you to myself. Now we are going to have a journey together. Because now you are with me. Now, therefore, if you will, in fact, obey my voice, because now we are to, I brought you on eagle's wings. I made you cross the Red Sea. I closed the Egypt chapter. Now I am with you. We are together in the wilderness on the way to the promised land. Now, in fact, if you will obey my voice, and keep my commandments, then you shall be my own special possession. Hallelujah. You shall be my own special possession. You shall be my own special treasure from among all the people of the world. For all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the ways that you shall speak to the Israelites. Now, whenever you think of your relationship with me, remember that I carried you. Remember that I brought you to myself. Remember that you must listen to my voice. In fact, no, no, let me not use the word listen because the, the Bible doesn't use the word listen. It says obey. If you obey my voice, and I said, obedience is not a negotiation. Now, God says to me, when it comes to this one, you only become my special possession when you obey. You only become my special treasure when you obey. You only become a chosen nation when you obey. We've got, we've got a, a physical Israel today that thinks that they are a special nation. We've got a physical Israel today that thinks that they are the only people of God. But if you go back and say, Israel as a nation, have you obeyed the voice of God? 
Are you obeying the voice of God? The Bible says we were not people. But by the grace of God, we are the new Israel. The physical Israel matters no more in the eyes of God if they don't obey the voice of God. What matters to God is you become a special possession, you become a special treasure, you become my chosen people if you obey my voice. And not only just obey my voice, but do my commandment. Then you become a special treasure to God. And Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 to 10, he says, but you are a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood, a consecrated nation, a special people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies, the wonderful deeds and virtues and perfections of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. We were foreigners, a singer says, in relation to God the creator. We were foreign to Israel because we were not people, because we were not chosen, because the only chosen nation was physical Israel. But we are now people. We have been chosen. We are a special possession to God. We are a royal priesthood. We are a nation of priests. Why are we becoming that? Or when have we become that? When we obeyed the voice of God. Hallelujah. I don't care what Israel says. For as long as they don't obey God, you can't be a nation and say you, you, you are a nation of God but don't obey his voice. You've lost that privilege from the day you forgot that God's voice needs to be obeyed. You lose that privilege. Hallelujah. Now God says to Moses, tell them that you will become a kingdom of priests and you will become a holy nation. But on condition, you obey. And after obeying, you do my commandments. Have they done the commandments of God in the desert? The generation that came out of Egypt, they forgot. Hallelujah. Now, Peter continues to say, keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles. Conduct yourselves honorably with graciousness and integrity so that for whatever reason they may slander you as evildoers. Yet, because one thing for sure, you know, I always say, brethren, when, when you, you walk around and say, I'm a born again, I, I, I'm, I'm a child of God, people are like, how? But there are so animals. You know, we are, we are the same. People think that we are the same, but let me assure you, we are not the same. Hallelujah. 
we are not the same. But you know what will make us the same? It's if we don't obey the ways of God. Yes, we are the same as them. If we don't do the commandments of God, yes, we are the same with them. If we don't keep our character and our behavior excellent, yes, we are the same with them. Because you don't want a situation where you become a point of reference. Hallelujah. But if Gabe can do this, then we're not going to I pray that you don't become a point of reference. Because you can't move forward. Hallelujah. If you have not cleaned where you are, and you become a point of reference, you become an example. But he says, yet by observing your good deeds, they may glorify God in the day of visitation. Jesus said in the book of Matthew that let your light shine to the world so that they may worship your father in heaven. When they see, the other version says, when they observe your good deeds. Hallelujah. Now, Israel's rescue from Egypt was a designed purpose of God. The journey, God designed it to take the length that it did so that he can deal with his people. Hallelujah. Now, after all these things have happened, after now the book of Joshua that Murutu was preaching about, having moved through the desert, having crossed Jordan, having surrounded Jericho and flattened it down, Akansin and all sorts of things happening. Now, the period of kings came and Saul was anointed king. And when Saul was anointed king, one of the things that Saul had to face was war against the Amalekites. Now remember what God said to Moses. Keep this as a memorial so that wherever you go, you will always know when you meet the Amalek, uh, uh, um, the Amalekites, that they need to be wiped off. And God gave them to Saul. They went to war. But after finishing, and, and so God was clear to Saul, when you fight him with them, destroy everything. And Saul decided that I'm not going to destroy everything. Not when I see gold. Not when I see silver. Not when I see fat rams. Not when I see beautiful uh, uh, oxes. This once. Now, now listen to Saul, brethren, trying to justify disobedience. Listen to him trying to justify disobedience. He says, this once we will take to go and sacrifice to the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. After you, you, you went and stole money 
you'll come and say, Muruti, this one is tithe. <laughs> you know, I, I had to steal so that I can come and pay tithe. Now he's trying to bribe God to say, this once I will sacrifice to God. The reason I took them is because I wanted to make a sacrifice. Hey, Saul, the order says destroy, wipe out, let nothing remain. Hallelujah. You cannot bribe God. You cannot get involved in corruption, brethren, today. Go in to bribe people so that you can get those tenders. And then you come here, you want to justify, but Muruti, everyone does it. At least I'll pay tithe. I think we can do, we'll do well without that tithe. Don't use us as a reason to disobey God. Don't use the church as a reason to do your own nefarious things. Because God's instruction is simple. Destroy. Don't take anything. Hallelujah. Now some of us, when we move from our past, and I I made an example of apartheid. When we move from our past, there are things that are spiritual that we are carrying with us. The artifacts of Egypt in our lives. We want to bring them into the new life and we want to justify that they will be used to glorify God I want to warn you brethren that God how God dealt with Saul for this obedience I'm not I'm not convinced that God had an issue with a number of things that Saul did. But he had an issue with Saul disobeying him. Many things, especially when he disobeyed a direct instruction. And even after obeying it, Samuel came to him and says, Saul, what is it that I am hearing? And, and he comes to Samuel. In fact, firstly, he, he decided to go somewhere else and Samuel followed him. And when he get there, he says to Samuel, lying to Samuel, I have done what God wanted me to do. And Samuel says, what is it that I'm hearing? He says, no, 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 don't worry, prophet of God. These ones are going to be used for sacrifice to God. And Samuel says to him, obedience is better than the sacrifice. Hallelujah. Now, you, you, you cannot have a place in the heart of God. You cannot open entry into the heart of God with a sacrifice. But you will open it with obedience. Hallelujah. You will open it with obedience. You will become a special possession of God with obedience. You will become a special treasure with obedience. Saul said, they have brought them from the Amalekites for the people spared the best of the sheep. Again, Saul is not taking responsibility. 
He says it is the people. Can we take responsibility for, for once for our actions? Stop blaming people when, when, when it is your responsibility. Hallelujah. I always say this, and I'll continue saying it. I said it to my children the other day, that Christianity is not a group assignment. You know, with group assignment, you can blame the group for not submitting or for submitting late. Now Saul, now he wants to shift a responsibility that God gave him and blame the people. These people, for all intents and purposes, were accompanying you, Saul. But the person that was going to war was you. The person that received order was you. The person that got clarity as to what to take, what not to take, was you. But now when he comes, he starts blaming the people and says, they brought them to sacrifice to the Lord your God. Now, he's also want to, to, uh, um, the word is running out of my mind. But he wants to, to, I'll use the word convince in the absence of, of, uh, the one that I'm looking for. He's trying to convince uh, uh, Samuel. And, and he doesn't say to sacrifice to God. Now, now he's putting him in a corner to sacrifice to the Lord. Sorry? Manipulate, exactly. Thank you very much. The word is manipulate. He wants to manipulate Samuel by saying, the God that I'm going to sacrifice for is yours. We, we, these sacrifices, you know, if it wasn't for your God, we would have just left them. But we had to bring them so as a sign of victory so that we can sacrifice to your God. And the other worst thing, over and above, just the, the, the oxes, and the gold and the silver was that Saul spared Agak, the king of the Amorites. What was the instruction to Moses and Joshua? I will destroy, I will wipe out. Keep this as a memoriam. And this memoriam was not a memoriam for Joshua. It was not a memoriam for Moses, but it was a memoriam for Israel that whenever you come across the Amalekites, you wipe them and you destroy. But what Saul did, as a sign of disobedience to God, he also kept the king of the Amalekites, Agag. And someone says, because of that, this is just the end of your kingdom. Because God is looking for a man after his own heart. And you have been found not to be that man. I pray, brethren, I pray that we, we, whenever we are, when we are sitting down, we, we can introspect and say to ourselves, 
what are the things that I was supposed to destroy that I am carrying with? What, what is the memoriam that I ignored that made me to be where I am? You know, sometimes when, when things don't go right in our lives, we blame the current situation. But in fact, some of them have got nothing to do with the current situation. But they've got everything to do with what we are carrying. Can we go back and look and ask ourselves, have I disobeyed God? What am I carrying? But I want to also urge you that you can open a key to the door of the, God, of the heart of God by obeying his voice, by doing his commandments. May we stand on our feet. Samuel, when, when he was finishing with him, he said to him, when after he told him that obedience is better than sacrifice, he also spoke about the sin of rebellion, which is as serious as the sin of divination. And he says, also, disobedience is as serious as false religion and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he also has rejected you as key. On this one, your rebellion, that passage only, it was you are a witch if you choose not to listen hear again to the voice of God. Now I pray that we don't fall into that trap. Because Agak was a trap for Saul. And Saul fell into that trap. And he came proudly to Samuel and says, I also spared, I have brought back Agak, the king of Amalek, and have completely destroyed the Amalekites. Now, how does it make sense? He says, I have destroyed them, but I have brought their key. Because logic would have dictated to him that you destroy the key first and then you destroy everything. You could even have spared them, but as long as you have destroyed the king, you have destroyed the kingdom. But he kept the kingdom. He destroys everybody else, but he keeps the kingdom. Now what has he just done? He just restored the Amalekites. When God said, wipe them up, yeah, now he decided to restore them. I pray, brethren, that we, we don't fall into such traps. And, and, you know, let me tell you, the problem with the traps is that they are justifiable. If you see it, in law, there's a thing called a reasonable man criteria. If you sit around the table and say, a reasonable man in your position, 
what would he or she has do, have done? Then they start analyzing and says, no, yeah, in fact, the reasonable man would have kept it. Now, that's how justifiable sometimes the traps are. You think it is reasonable. It makes sense. You know, uh, it, is be, it is to be used for one, two, three. You even bribe God and say it is going to be used to sacrifice to your God. I pray that we don't fall into those traps, but we pursue obedience. Because it is only when we obey that we will open that door. God bless you, brethren. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus. We give you the honor and the praise. We adore your holy name, mighty Father. And we thank you for this time, this day that you have given us to remind us, Mutimwarena, about obeying your voice and what we are and who we are in you when we do. As we live here, brethren going to Peru's further, I pray that reveal more and more unto them that we may have a knowledge and understanding that Father will culminate into broader wisdom of what you want us to do. We pray, Mutimarena, that you give us a spirit of discernment that we may see from afar the traps that the devil is putting for us and that we may not fall into them. Recognizing the justifiable nature of the traps, I pray that open our eyes and our minds that we may remember the order that you have given us. In the name of Jesus, we give you the glory even as we depart. We pray, Father, that may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit may keep us in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for joining us today and if you haven't liked, shared or subscribed yet, make sure to do so. And always remember that no one stands alone.